You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears. And we are here with another edition of Blue Jays Fan Friday on the podcast. Yay! Yay! <clears throat> yes, I have to give myself applause. I'm the only one here. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, back to shepherd you all for another Fan Friday. And got some interesting topics to discuss today based on the responses I got on the Twitters. I Again, I appreciate you all for that and continuing to send your thoughts and questions on the Blue Jays. I'm happy to answer them. It gives me purpose. It's not much, but it gives me purpose. So we're, we're going to talk about a couple things that came out of last night's game. And we're actually going to start with a conversation that I had with previous Fan Friday contributor, David Brown, at David T.A. Brown, a.k.a. Fake Fan Downtown. When I initially talked about Jay Happ starting yesterday's game, I said this would be a showcase and this would be an opportunity to try and drive the price tag up from the Yankees to try and land Happ. Now, uh, David... In responding to that, he is a Yankees fan. We don't hold that against him here. We don't hold people's individual fandoms against them on this podcast. We just don't like the teams. Especially the GMs of certain teams. But that's a topic for another time. But no, uh, David said that given the price tag on the Yankees side of things that the Blue Jays were asking, he said they were looking elsewhere. And that when the Yankees approached Baltimore about trading for Manny Machado, Clint Frazier wasn't included in that package. So he sees that as a sign that Clint Frazier is not going to be available, which kind of sucks because Clint Frazier is the main piece I want back from the Yankees. I, I would settle for Chance Adams uh, as long as there are a couple more pieces, I guess. But eventually... David mentioned that the Yankees would be in, more interested in Marcus Stroman coming back. And I, I, this is a whole Sanchez versus Stroman argument again. I said I'd rather keep Sanch, or Stroman rather than Sanchez. And we got talking about trade packages for Aaron Sanchez. And David eventually floated this package, which... I said no, but I'm, I'm going to list it. He offered to trade Clint Frazier, Brandon Drury, Dylan Tate, who's a starting pitching prospect, and Tyler Austin, who's known as the guy who tried to bash Joe Kelly's brains in and failed. That, that, that package of four for Aaron Sanchez... Aaron Loop, and Ryan Barucki. And Barucki was the stumbling point for me on this deal. Because Sanchez, I'm almost resigned to losing once he hits free agency. I don't think he's going to stay in Toronto. But Barucki has a chance to be a really good piece a la 
Mark Burley, and he's young and he has a lot of control. Sanchez could leave potentially after the 2020 season. Barucki's going to be in Toronto for a long time, and he looks really good. Of course, I say that he starts today against Boston, so he'll probably give up six runs. But for now, he looks really good, and I don't want to give that kind of control up for a guy like Dylan Tate, who I'm not really sure how he's going to translate at AAA. Again, small sample size with Barucki, but it's still a sample size, and it's a really good sample size with Ryan Barucki. So... I said no because of that deal. I, I tried to offer like a different package. Coming back, I think I said I'd do Sanchez and Loop for Frazier, Tate, and Chance Adams. Because admittedly, I don't think there are really spots for Tyler Austin and Brandon Drury in Toronto. I'm I'm sure we could find a spot for Brandon Drury, but I I don't think he wants to go to another organization where he doesn't really have a clear path to playing time, which has been his problem in New York this year. So in the end that kind of fizzled out. And maybe that's a sign that the Blue Jays will be looking elsewhere when they try and trade Jay Happ. Milwaukee did recently promote uh Corbin Burns. So he's now got major league experience. Looked looked pretty good for Milwaukee. Had a solid start for them. So it's not like there is a dearth of options for Toronto to try and get. But the thing about Corbin Burns coming out and doing as well as he did, for people who didn't see it, um... He was spotless in two innings of work against Miami on July the 10th. So he he looked really good. He's not a a big strikeout guy, but he was efficient. He needed 25 pitches to complete two frames without giving up a hit or a walk. That will play. If Again, if the Blue Jays can get someone who can do that and generate that kind of weak contact... That plays very well. He's He's been hit hard at AAA, which he plays in Colorado Springs, so that's kind of why. There's a reason Colorado Springs is not going to have a AAA team after this year because organizations don't like it when you send your prospects into the Rocky Mountain air and they get battered around. That's why he has a 5.15 ERA. But again, he's looked really good. I would be excited to get Corbin Burns back in a package. So there are other options for Hap, but eventually David and myself could not come to an agreement on a trade for Sanchez or Hap. So it's an interesting window into the Yankees' thoughts, and I thank David for that and and going through that exercise with me. It's greatly appreciated. Again, this was was all before Jay Hap and his unearned Grand Slam to Mookie Betts. Let's just talk about that right quick. I lost count of how many pitches that Mookie Betts took in that at-bat. And there's proof of that on Twitter when I said it was the 11th pitch that got sent over the Green Monster. It was actually the 13th, as I was corrected by multiple people, which I appreciate. And I'll I'll give them a shout. At Redbeard801 and at SoxFanMPA. Both had the correction for me on that, which I appreciate. Because 
you don't learn unless you get those corrections. So, in seeing that at bat, just seeing Mookie Betts, one of the best hitters in the league, just foul off pitch after pitch after pitch, just just staying alive until he got one that Hap just left over the plate. And, like, Jay Hap was hanging low for the majority of his start yesterday. Like, all his pitches were in the dirt, like, like at the ankles. Literally, in the case of Steve Pierce, which we hope Steve Pierce is all right. He did have to come out of that game. It's a it's a fine trading strategy to trade players to teams and then injure them, but no, just it's not what we want to see for Steve Pierce. But the bigger thing about that inning was the Blue Jays could have easily prevented it. There were there were so many things they could have done. You have Devin Travis lifting his foot off the bag at second when trying to complete a double play, resulting in nobody being out. You have Justin Smoke bobbling a foul along the first baseline. He, he had it in his glove, but it bounced out and he couldn't barehand it. You had a walk to Jackie Bradley Jr., which should never be happening. You don't walk the number nine hitter, especially not when Mookie Betts is on deck. You I don't care. If Jackie Bradley Jr. beats you, that's fine. Put the ball down the pipe to Jackie Bradley Jr. Don't be trying to nibble on him. Get the number nine guy out so you don't bring up Mookie Betts in a situation with the bases loaded. But Boston is as Boston does. And Mookie Betts came up and he fouled off all those pitches and he buried Hap over the monster. And that was essentially the ball game. Because... The Blue Jays fought. They fought back. They they had their chances. They had Matt Barnes dead to rights in the eighth. But Kendra struck out and Russell struck out. And it it's it's the same song for for Russell, sadly, this year. He's still batting like one seventy. I I don't know what to do to fix that. But it, it was a sense of just Boston happening to the Blue Jays. And and I, I did get a comment from Diane at BW Princess 72 who was watching it and couldn't even figure it out what happened. It it was Boston. Boston happened in that inning. The the Fenway Park allure, it it can blind teams sometimes. It can baffle teams sometimes. You get nervous. You you don't want to be that Bill Buckner. You don't want to have your name etched in in that category of, of people who made mistakes there. And sadly, the nerves do get the better of you. Devin was trying to rush that throw to first base and trying to get that double play and get out of it. And in the process, failed to make sure he got the one out, which would have prevented a lot of problems for the Blue Jays in that inning. But... Again, it it is what it is, and it is this team in 2018, and we will talk about it a little more right after this break. All right, so we're going to talk about one more thing from last night's game, and it involves Justin Smoke, and Justin Smoke has been on fire 
in the month of July. He's batting 303 with three home runs, which equals his output from June with a batting average 100 points higher. So it's been very nice to see Justin Smoke kind of kind of catch fire lately and start to resemble la- the all-star first baseman that was there last year. Because I like Justin Smoke. I, I, he's upper tier Blue Jays first baseman for me, behind Olerud, behind Delgado, but definitely ahead of Lyle Overbay. So on that hit that Smoke had, um, that, that long shot to center field, that was in the eighth inning that almost got Amish kid help in becoming a home run. I have no idea what that fan thought he was trying to do, but for Nick Monaco at and Monaco 1981, it's the highlight of the game for him. Uh, saying that fly ball to center where the fan reached over and almost fell to his death. Uh, Nick was watching with a buddy who hates baseball and that buddy said, holy expletive. How did he not die? (laughs) Which credit to the fans around him for, for keeping him in the stands as opposed to landing on the warning track. But this, this is just another public service announcement for fans at ball games stop reaching over for a ball it's it's not coming towards you if it's coming towards you it will land off the wall and you'll be able to get it off the bounce don't be reaching over in play to get these balls every time and blue jays fans are just as guilty of it a lot of fans are guilty of it if if you're it's one thing to do it if you're along the foul line and and it's a foul ball hit by someone on your team and you're trying to interfere, fine, fine, do that. Like if you have Jesus Aguilar charging at you and you want to try and prevent him from catching a ball, fine, you can do that. But there's absolutely no excuse for doing that when you're in the outfield. There's no way you should be doing it. Have have we not bandied Jeffrey Meyer's name enough in pop culture? For those wondering who I'm talking about, he's the kid who, when he was 12, caught that uh, ball off Derek Jeter in 1996 to defeat the Orioles in a playoff. Tony Tarasco forever looking up at that. And as I said, Amish kid. Don't even know his name. Don't care. He's Amish kid forever because he helped Mike Moustakis get a home run. And I, I don't. Don't be doing this. Just... Especially not when there's a thin railing between you and a 20-foot drop. No amount of rawhide and string and cork is worth falling to your death. So let's let's not do that. Just public service announcement. Don't reach into play, especially when you're not anywhere near the floor or the field. Just stop doing that. But no. We're going to end this with a question from friend of the show, Krista King at KJAK16. She asked, with the Baby Jays in the system likely set to come up next year and the players that will be kept on the team this year, will they be competitive in 2019 or not until 2020? 
I, I want to try and be positive on this, Krista, but honestly, I don't see a competitive team in 2019. I think it's going to be another learning experience kind of year for the Blue Jays. They're going to have some more starting pitchers up. As I said online, I've come around to Ryan Miller's way of thinking and believe Thomas Pannone is going to get the start on Saturday in place of Marco Estrada. He's already on the 40-man, so they don't have to DFA anyone. They likely either move Estrada to the DL or option Tim Meza, depending on how Estrada's feeling. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't just put Estrada on the DL at this point. He's already been out enough days. He might as well keep Meza up. He deserves it. As much as I said, he's likely going down after pitching in the blowout uh, against Atlanta. He, he deserves to stay up, Tim Meza. He, he does not deserve to shuttle off just yet. So I, I think that's the move. I think they bring up Pannone for that game. And they'll figure out what they have in Pannone. Because Miller argued that Pannone had the higher ceiling than a guy like Chris Rowley. And this will give the Blue Jays a good opportunity to see it. Kind of like what they did with Matt Boyd three years ago. When they promoted him after like one, two starts at Buffalo after spending the majority of the season at New Hampshire. It's, it's a good way to get him up, just see what he has, and and get him that taste of MLB experience, and then send him right back down. Because Matt Boyd turned out pretty well. He just didn't turn out very well for, for Toronto, because he was in the David Price deal. So with guys like that, because that's going to be the bigger thing. Like It's very easy to project that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to hit. At the major league level. It's very easy to project Bo Bichette's going to hit. Very easy to project Kevin Biggio. And, and Kevin Smith. And, and guys like that. Anthony Alford's turning around AAA. It's very easy to project those guys. It's much harder to project the pitching that you're going to have. And pitching is always the key. Ask, ask the Los Angeles Angels. Who just put another starter on the 60-day DL with Tommy John. Garrett Richards now done for a year plus. A ask them how they feel about having such a stacked lineup with with Trout and Otani and Upton and Pujols, who had two home runs last night. Ask them how they feel about having that stellar lineup and then not having anyone who can stay healthy enough to pitch for them, including Otani. So the pitching is going to be the key. And the Blue Jays are positioned well. Barucki's just the first uh, of a wave that's coming up. They have guys like Sean Reed Foley, who had a brilliant start in Buffalo last night. They they have guys like TJ Zoik. John Harris is having a bit of a resurgence this year. Nate Pearson's still progressing and still learning. And... They have guys like Zach Jackson who projects to be a bullpen. Arc. And if they get these guys who kind of come out of nowhere, Miller highlighted Maverick Buffo the other day who made a start at Dunedin after spending most of the season at Lansing, made his first start at Dunedin and blanked Philadelphia's Florida league team over eight innings. He only gave up three runs like that. He's a 34th round pick by the Blue Jays out of Brigham Young. So you don't really know which of these guys are going to make that kind of leap and be solid contributors from a pitching standpoint. Because there again, there's there will be guys like Justin Maese who 
by the by 2022 he'll he'll be entering his prime maybe he he might be a piece that the blue jays use as a starter it's so much harder to project what the pitching is going to be and that's what the blue jays are going to need to be competitive that's why having guys like stroman and sanchez locked in at the major league level is a big plus for that window being open because you know what you're going to get from marcus stroman you know what you're going to get from aaron sanchez you have a good idea what you'll get for ryan barucki and if you sign a veteran starter to kind of bridge that gap so to speak that's that will determine how successful the blue jays will be immediately and when they can make that move to be more competitive i don't think it's going to be next year because again it's it's going to be a learning year they're going to have more of these younger guys up anthony alford will have a full year with the blue jays i'm i'm almost certain of that he'll he'll take that third fourth outfield slot um a a guy like we may see vlad jr up to next year but i i wouldn't hold my breath he's definitely not going to start the year with the club but he'll be up a, a guy like sean reed foley might prove himself to be worthy of that rotation slot and he will struggle he it's it's going to be like watching the white Sox pitchers like lucas giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. Lopez has looked really good. That's what you kind of hope for Sean Reed Foley, that he uses his time in the majors in what is essentially a down year and continues to progress because that's the big thing for the Blue Jays now. They need progression from these guys. They have a lot of guys they're, they're paying right now who are older. They need to see the progression from these younger guys, and they're starting to see progression from these younger guys, which does make me excited for 2020, just not really next year. It's as long as Blue Jays fans go into next year just being able to expect that sort of performance, it, it will serve them a lot better. So I I think with that hope in our hearts, we're going to end this edition of Blue Jays Fan Friday. Again, There's I said on Twitter, it's going to be the last one for a couple weeks because next week I will not be in my studio. I will be in Newfoundland on vacation. I'm going to go around the rock for a bit can go up to the North Shore with my loving partner and see the sights there. But you will still get Locked On Blue Jays content. We we actually have some guest episodes that we're putting together right now. Um, some of your favorites are going to come back and shoot an episode. And we can have those. It's, it's going to be like retrospective episodes, like during the All-Star break week. We're, we're going to have that out and just giving their takes on what they think the season has been and what they think the season will be. And again, you're going to know the names from, from who I have lined up, some friends, some tentative friends of the show. But yeah, you will be able to enjoy those next week. So look forward to that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. I'm not sure what kind of reception I'm going to get in Newfoundland. I'll be in St. John's for a little bit, so I'll be able to keep tabs on some things in baseball, but during the middle of the week, we're going to be North Shore, and I don't know what the status of Fogo Island connection is, so I'm not holding my breath there. You can follow the podcast at LockedOnJays for all your Locked on Jays content. And yeah, that closes the book on another week. 
So thank you to Krista. Thank you to Nick. Thank you to David. Uh, thank you to Diane. Thank you to everyone correcting me on Twitter. You know, proper, proper internet behavior. And we will close with a quote from Irene M at Orchid2424, who, when I asked for Fan Friday topics, told me to go to bed. It's late. She was right. It's late. And we will go to bed on this week of Locked On Blue Jays. So again, I've been your host, Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening, and y'all take care.